welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non-members out there, sign up for our free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. This episode is sponsored by 3M, Conquer, and PPG. Welcome to the Painter Marketing Mastermind Podcast, the show created to help painting company owners build a thriving painting business that does well over $1 million in annual revenue. I'm your host, Brandon Pierpont, founder of Painter Marketing Pros and creator of the popular PCA educational series, Learn, Do, Grow, Marketing for Painters. In each episode, I'll be sharing proven tips, strategies, and processes from leading experts in the industry on how they found success in their painting business. We will be interviewing owners of the most successful painting companies in North America and learning from their experiences. On this episode of the Painter Marketing Mastermind podcast, we host guest Chad Jeffries. Chad is the co-owner of Brick City Painting and Drywall, a residential and commercial painting company based in Mexico, Missouri, that does over $3 million in annual revenue. In this episode, Chad discusses his journey from subcontractor to co-owner of his business and all of the mental transitions that forced him to make. A staunch believer in the power of emotional intelligence, Chad runs masterclasses with his team to improve their culture, communication, and overall morale. Coming from a subcontractor background, Chad appreciates the importance of demonstrating respect for your employees, and he has worked hard to ingrain that sense of professionalism in all aspects of his business. If you want to learn more about the topics we discussed in this podcast and how you can use them to grow your painting business, visit paintermarketingpros.com forward slash podcast for free training, as well as the ability to schedule a personalized strategy session for your painting company. Again, that URL is paintermarketingpros.com forward slash podcast. Chad, welcome to the Painter Marketing Mastermind podcast. Thanks for joining us. Yes. Thank you for having me. So tell us, uh, Brick City Painting and Drywall, what do you guys do? Uh, We're mainly a commercial painting company, probably 80% commercial, 20% residential and light industrial, I would say. And we have other little, we hang wall covering, we do epoxy flooring, we install drop ceilings. So there is some other small things that are add-on services. Sure. And you guys are, are based in Mexico, Missouri, right? Mexico, Missouri. Yep. And what was your uh, what was your revenue in 2021? Uh, it was 2.5 million. 2.5, and and this year yeah. you, you guys are are hope, thinking we're about tracking to be at 3.5 million right now, okay. as long as the numbers stay the same. It's nice growth, man. Congratulations. To yeah, COVID's <laughs> been good to us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all the other definitely have been benefits from it. Um, so you and I were talking a little before the podcast started, and and. Uh, kind of about what, what do we want to talk about here? And you have quite an interesting story. So, so talk to me about your relationship. Are you the owner of Brick City Painting and Drywall? Kind of walk me through the history here. Sure. Yeah. Um, me and I have a partner, uh, Sam Robinette. And he runs a uh, residential construction business. He mainly builds uh, high-end residential homes. 
So that's kind of how we got introduced. I was hired on as a sub in the beginning, a subcontractor doing painting for them. Uh, the painters he had working for him kept pushing to try and hire me. Uh, and eventually it worked in that my son is actually a patient at Shriners. And uh, so he has a prosthetic leg and I couldn't get any health insurance for him nowhere. Uh, if you're on a group plan, you can. So I came here and started working and within a year, he bought half of my business, which was a carpet cleaning slash painting business. And I bought half of brick city. So that way we were both invested. You know, we both had the same interest in it. So, and it's worked out great. Uh, we still are doing the uh, re restoration work as far as carpet cleaning goes also. So when was this, what, what year did you guys do that? Now that would have been 10 years ago. Ten when years the final ago. transition yeah, in 2012, we, we, I got an 11 year relationship, but the first year I was an employee subcontractor. And then after the first year as when I bought in. So, so Sam was, he was running a construction company and then he, he kind of spun this off or how did that work? Uh, basically just had a couple guys working for him that would paint the houses he's building. And it became a problem at a certain point. Those guys didn't have anything to do in between jobs. So we had painters helping pour concrete or whatever, and that's not very profitable. So it was decided we'd, that he would make a, uh, another company, we call it Brick City Painting, but left it up to those painters to basically market it, get the business going. And um, you know that's when I came in and as an employee then. But at, when my manager was let go, I took over. And then from there, once Sam seen how I operate, he quickly wanted to, you know, let's swap businesses. Basically, there was no money exchanging hands. He took half of my business. And I took half of his. And Man, that's like I said, still doing the restoration work. So, yeah, what a unique story. So you were working as a subcontractor to a business that wasn't really even a painting business. It was a construction company. Uh, he mm -hmm. realized that he needed to create a, a painting business. You then came on as an employee. You then did a good job and got promoted. And then he then took notice of how good you were and actually uh, swapped swapped half businesses with you. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much it. It was the best thing either of us could have done. It worked out great. Even though it yeah. sounds kind of crazy, the model. That's pretty, that, there are a few, yeah. few steps there. It was, it was a, it's a bit of a journey. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. But it yeah. was a great journey. I'll say that. And I'm still on a journey today. Yeah. Well, good for, good for you guys, man. Yeah, you, you've um, built this up to, to something really sizable now, looking at some impressive growth that you're expecting um, throughout 2022. So uh, talk to me. You said he kind of left it up to to you guys, I guess, how, how you're going to market and grow the business, the painting business. How'd you do that? Yeah. In the beginning for me, it was, you know, there wasn't really a marketing budget, this and that, and we were residential painters. So it was kind of boots on the ground, uh, some of the guys thought I was crazy, but I had yard signs everywhere and we had a trailer. They thought that I was crazy thinking, yard signs. Yeah. They thought I was just, cause I would put them out everywhere. I mean, I would leave it there until the city called me and made me move. Oh, you, you'd go put but, it in people's yards that you didn't have no, jobs where you were at. Okay. You know, all right. But there was <laughs> okay. 20 jobs there. Thought you were then, running around neighborhoods, popping these signs in people's yards. Okay. But, and we own several properties throughout the town we live in. So we would take uh, our job site trailer and set it outside of properties that were in high visibility areas. Sure. 
we're not working there. It was just for a moving billboard basically. Yeah. So that, that was my first, how we first started marketing. And as they would say, boots on the ground. Uh, and I still kind of do it that way as I'm a big relationship person. Gotcha. So most of the contractors I deal with, we have a ongoing relationship. Yeah. 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 That grassroots marketing, especially when you start out, you know, kind of using, uh, using low cost tactics, but using your head, you know, like putting a trailer in a high visibility area where you can leave it. Um, that, that genius. We've got a ton of calls from that. And then from our carpet cleaning stuff, we learned another technique where if you're at somebody's house painting, they call it five around, you'd go to each neighbor and the three houses across the street and leave flyers behind saying, Hey, your neighbor just got painted. Call us today. And that you would gain business that way, but it didn't take long. We went from three people to 20 people. It was wow. a matter of about three years. Yeah. And residential. So it wow. worked, but there was yeah. a lot of time put in it, you know, but that's what it takes when you don't have a big budget, you're going to use a lot of your time. Yep. Yeah. You're going to either pay with time or money, but you're going to pay somehow yeah. to build that business. Um, or you're, you're going to pay with neither and then you're going to really pay with time because it's just going to take you a lot longer to build a business. If you're oh, yeah. just referrals, just repeat that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I, we love referrals, but I'm big on pushing out and trying to find new ways. We've tried several marketing things that didn't work too. Yeah. And, you know, so direct you, mail and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Those, those can, they can work, but they can be tricky. So you started um, really residential, but now you guys are, are 80% commercial. How did that transition happen? Uh, that was a long journey also. Uh, and it was uh, several steps. There was no just going from paint Mrs. Jones. And, you know, right now we're in several houses or, I mean, several businesses were a quarter million dollar paint job, 150, you know, before it was a thousand to five thousand dollars. So, uh, the path to that for us, we started out in just houses, of course, then we went to like small mall jobs, uh, McDonald's, things like that. They were small, so you could still contain it. And we slowly went up to the, what I would call mid-sized ones. And now we're in large commercial, but uh, we had to get banks involved so that we have money behind us. There's a lot of steps involved in that. Um, if not, you, I think you could go too fast and be a bad thing uh, if you don't go a long way. You, you end up getting a big job and you can't man it. You don't have the money behind you to get it. And next thing you know, you're getting liquidated damages and stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah, so it was a long journey. Uh, you know, I say kind of stair stepping up. It's probably took us five years to get from residential to large commercial. Now, was that always your guys plan to go to head to the large commercial? No, it, it wasn't my plan in the beginning. I never dreamed I'd ever be here. I thought we'd just be painting residential houses and I don't remember exactly how it happened, but we basically got invited to bid on a commercial job. It was a smaller one. And, uh, that's what started it. Once we got in there, I, I really liked that work better. I didn't have, it's not the same deals with a homeowner. You don't have people over you. It's, it's just a lot different kind of work, I think. And you can put lower quality painter in there because there's all kinds of stuff going up. You know, Mrs. Jones, as I say, she's looking at her walls really close. Got the you magnifying glass out. 
exactly and sears they're pushing you out of the way so they can hang shirts up to sell them so we're <laughs> it's a little different game yeah. and i liked it better so then i started pursuing it after that and that's when i realized i got to start with the small ten thousand dollar jobs because we didn't have the bank account behind us we didn't have that kind of stuff so over time we built it and built relationships with bankers where we have you know lines of credit things like that that bring us through big big jobs sure so don't have to worry about payroll sure and now are you that do you guys use w2 or 1099 employees or we're everybody's w2 they're all employee employees yeah and they were, they were that way. when you started you started with w2 yeah yeah no. yeah 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 i'm not a big fan of the other one i think the 1099 that's for a subcontractor uh, that wouldn't be an employee you know yeah they're not getting any benefits we don't pay any of their taxes so I, I would look at them as a subcontractor yeah but no yeah, for sure. ours are all employees on payroll benefits packages and stuff involved yeah nice so we i guess what what gross profit so on the job what gross profit margins are you looking for um, with your residential versus your commercial versus your industrial? Uh, the commercial and industrial is definitely a lot higher than the residential, uh, mm -hmm. just because the residential work, I mean, I don't think the money's there like it is the commercial. You go to the big jobs, they got a million dollar budget. You sure. go to the residential house, they have a lot smaller budget, of course. But in residential, our profit margins are roughly running about 30%. But in commercial, uh, and there we get to use different tools, which makes these numbers this way, but we're 40 to 60% profit margins, which is crazy to me. Uh, but we're using jet rollers, power rollers, all kinds of, we're using different tools, different techniques. We're, you know, we're, we're looking to be efficient big time yeah. I mean, we're training every day. We yeah. actually have a designated trainer. Okay. Nice. So what, what are the, the biggest Let's start with what are what are the biggest struggles um, for your residential paint jobs, and what are the biggest struggles or or difficulties for your commercial paint jobs? Uh, I would say for the residential, it's more it's just a different uh, feel. Like I said, when you go to those jobs, so I have, to have different people there. I don't I have certain residential and certain commercial. It's hard to transition from one to the other because you can send a residential guy into a factory and he's taking forever painting a parking bollard. It's going to smash. So that as far as struggles go, that would be the big thing trying to transition somebody. So we try to keep residential and residential commercial and commercial, but uh, really, I, I guess I don't, I don't know that we have big struggles. Uh, the commercial side, the biggest thing is if you miss something in the plans, things like that, and yep. that has happened in the past. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I've... Yeah. Now, are you moving forward? Are you focused on? I mean, are you still trying to grow the residential piece as well, or are you ultimately going to eventually become full commercial here? Uh, no, we feel like we need to have a foot in both, and COVID's a perfect example of why. Uh, as soon as COVID hit, we were too immediately. We started getting our big commercial contracts. They got canceled and yanked out from under us. So in the matter of two weeks, a million dollars worth of work went right down wow. the drain. That was yeah terrifying. So, yeah. uh, and then we immediately after a huge surge of residential 
came in and pushed us through the first six months of COVID. We normally didn't do much uh, residential. Like I said, 20% at that time, it went the other way. We were doing 80, 90% residential. So we feel like the way the markets go, sometimes commercial will be up and res down, residential up and down. We want to have a foot in both of those in case, you know, one is up and one's down, we're able to shift. Yes. So we're, we're going to stay in both. And we're actually talking about expanding the residential side, trying to make another crew that's strictly residential so that we can get more because we're getting calls and I have to turn them down right now. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're basically making your business more resilient. I'm trying to, so we can get through the hard times, you know, COVID was a big lesson. The, yeah. It's great when it's great, but when it goes bad, you, you need to be ready. Yeah, so what a lesson, man. COVID, it's like uh basically anything, anything you think, oh, that could never happen. If COVID can happen, anything can happen. I was one hundred percent agree. That was yeah about the craziest experience we've ever had around here. So yeah, really nuts, man. <clears throat> so what are you know, over the course of the last eleven years that, that you've been with the business, um, what are some of the I guess the 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 things that you feel have gone really well in your growth journey and what are some maybe hiccups that you had? Uh, maybe some that were even unexpected that, that you would maybe be able to caution some other people against if they haven't experienced those hiccups yet. Uh, that's kind of a tough question. Um, we've had small hiccups that were due with, you know, estimating things like that, where we learned lessons. Uh, one of the lessons I learned is we weren't double checking ourselves as in, one guy double checking the other and I'm the guy at fault, but I missed a zero on one of the estimates, which that zero made a hundred thousand square feet. <laughs> so needless to say that bid was way off and we want it for sure. Uh, <laughs> when we realized we want it and realized what happened, I disqualified myself, but I, uh, it cost me $7,000 to get out of the estimate for a bid bond or performance bond. So, that was a very a lesson. That lesson was learned. Yeah. So now we double check numbers. And once one guy does it, we hand it over to the next guy. He does the same math and kind of double check stuff. But uh, as far as big, you know, hiccups like that, the biggest thing I'd say we had is in the beginning was employee retention. We were hiring just people and it didn't work out. We had low quality people. They were causing a lot of problems. And now we've shifted that to, we don't care if you're a painter or not. We're hiring on the quality of the person and training going forward. And that's been, uh, it's my, um, that's been the game changer for us. 100% uh, fighting a 30 year painter telling you that you're wrong in this and that it just, you know, there's no time for that. So yeah, we're noticing the young guys, we can mold them the way we want instead of going back and forth. So we've, we've took training very seriously and put a big training program in here. How are you vetting? How are you vetting people for qualities? Like what, what kinds of qualities are you looking for in, in your employees? Uh, more of their morals and ethics than anything. So when we interview them, we're just looking for like, I'm going to call it just good people. You know, are they, are they job hoppers or they stay at a job for a while? That's important to us because we don't want someone who's shows a record of that. But the biggest thing is we, you know, their family life are, 
they have kids or they marry things like that. Their ethics and morals are huge to us here because we can train everything else, but you can't train that. You know, yeah. so, so we feel like if we get good people, so I, I don't know how to say exactly what we look for. It's just in the interview, the feel you get from the person, you know, you don't necessarily ask a lot of personal questions, but, and we usually get other people that already know them because we live in a small town. It's yeah. not like, you know, big city where everybody's a stranger. Somebody knows everybody around here. It's only 12,000 people. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That is a small town. <clears throat> So you're, you, you have a really unique perspective, you know, because you, you co-own this, um, large successful painting business and you started as a subcontractor. So how have, how has your mind had to shift or has it had to shift as you've kind of gone from subcontractor to employee, to manager, to now co-owner of this business? Uh, there's been a lot of what we call in here, I've made a lot of little adjustments along the way. Cause in the beginning I was, a uh, the technician and owner. So I was out doing the painting and the bidding and all that on my own. Mm-hmm. And I was the guy you called when you needed a whole bunch of paint on the wall. Cause I was fast, uh, but I didn't have the business side to it. So I could get the paint done, but all the other stuff was foreign to me. Uh, long story short, I have a GED, don't have a high school diploma. So those things I had to work through and learn along the way. Uh, So yeah, there was huge transitions in learning business, which the PCA was a big part of that. I started going to the expo. I think it was 10 years ago was the first one. It was the one in St. Louis. And uh, I seen Lynn Fife there and I got all hyped up. And ever since I've been to every single one since, and we've had Lynn come in our office, but I've had to make major adjustments, uh, you can imagine just going from a painter to running this business. Yeah. My, my way of thinking is totally, I, I can't, there's so many changes I've made. I can't even explain them to you. You know, I used to complain about guys not being fast enough, things like that. Now I realize mistakes I've made in the past, yelling, snatching brushes from people. That's not a way to go. So that, that doesn't happen around here anymore. So you're, you're basically saying that one of the things you've been learning is, I guess, how to be a better leader, how to communicate better. All that. Yeah. I've took emotional intelligence classes, how to deal with difficult customers under pressure classes just to help with. And we've actually brought employees to those classes, too, to help with their communication. Uh, actually, here in two weeks on the 14th, we have uh, a seminar that we're hiring to come in and do an emotional intelligence class, an eight hour class for the whole company. Wow. And then they're, they're going to come back in three months and do another class called communication with tact. And it's how to communicate on the job site better and not get upset and understand other people. So it's not just about putting paint on the walls. We're getting that. I've had to make a lot of changes. I could put paint on the wall, but didn't understand the other things. So there's a whole lot of steps as, you know, not only me and the emotional intelligence stuff, but just learning business that, yeah. you know, some of that stuff I didn't understand either. Now I look at it differently. So, yeah. And my partner already have been being in business for a long time. This has been a huge mentor to me. And, you know, there's a lot of lessons I don't have to learn because he's already learned them, yeah. you know, before I did. So. I mean, yeah. So I'm, I'm, uh, obviously a very big supporter of the PCA. What do you feel 
have been some of the benefits, you know, you, you go into the expos for over a course of 10 years and being involved for 10 years, what have been some of your big takeaways? Um, well, just that my growth as a businessman, not a painter is what's brought brick city to where it's at. I mean, I could be out there putting paint on the wall, but that's not going to make the business grow. It's the other things I'm doing, which that's, what's the PCA has helped me with. Um, uh, every year we bring other employees too. So like this year, there was a couple guys with me. We want them to also experience it and get something out of it. And that way we're all coming back all fired up and ready to go. But, uh, it's invaluable to me. I've, my experience with the PCA has been, I mean, more than great. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I can't explain how much they've helped me uh, just by yeah. the classes I took over the years. So, so you're, you've had to shift from, and this is obviously a big topic, right. Of, of thinking like a painter versus thinking like a, like a business owner or, or the, are those really different things or do they have to be different things? Um, one of the things that you've really, um, gotten a lot better at, or at least changed, uh, your perspective on is, is kind of how you, I guess, manage painters or, or deal with your team because you communicate differently, right? You've, you've taken leadership courses and, and emotional intelligence courses. And, um, what, what are some of the other shifts that you've noticed? Cause that, that is a sticking point for people. You know, we, we have people all the time who come to painter marketing pros and they're not a fit because they don't think like a business owner. So what, and, and I'm, I'm drilling into this because this is, this is a real struggle for a lot of painting company owners, right? And so I, any advice you can give, cause you've gone through this struggle now and, and you've, you've won, you've come out the other side. So anything we can kind of drill into, um, I think would be really beneficial. Uh, well, I, I know some uh, business owners, they all, at least a lot of business painting owners that I've met think, Oh, I can't find a guy that works like me and cares about it. Like mm -hmm. me, then you, you never will get, you got to get over that right out of the gate. No sure. one's going to love your company like you do. No, no one's no. going to work as hard as you do, but you have to trust people and you, you have to, I, I have a saying, you got to sometimes let people fail so they can succeed. So let them, you know, actually fail. Then you can go back to them and work through what went wrong and how to go forward. Uh, we don't talk down to anybody. I think that's huge. The way you communicate to everybody, even your body language, well, your body language is more than your words, but you know, you don't want to upset all employees. Uh, yep. You're not going to get anywhere there. And I noticed a lot of other bosses. I've, I've been out with Sharon Williams on, excursions where there's 20 of us there and other owners and it blows my mind. They come up and they're like, Oh yeah, this guy's lazy. And they just cuss them out. And the, the way they talk to their employees, I'm like, think about it. And if you worked for you, would you work hard? Yeah. No, you're, you're not, you're not motivating people here with that. No. So we have, you know, we try to get bonuses for people that are uh, going above and beyond. Uh, there's our, pay scale is definitely up there. All of our benefits are just like union. So there's vacation, this, that, the whole nine yards, which, and we actually pay mileage for guys to drive to work and back. We give them windshield time one way. So those things are keeping employee retention, but also showing respect for them. And that's something in the past that as a painter, I never would have wrapped my head around, Hey, we need to pay these guys gas and this, and that get to work. Instead, you might be like, oh, forget that. They don't deserve. Well, they're going to quit and you're not going to have anybody. So you got to get past those feelings. And 
I think that's where the emotional intelligence helped me out or realize sometimes when your emotions are bubbling up, <laughs> push them back down because they're not going to do nothing but hurt you, buddy. You know, and that's true. When you're emotionally wound up, you make bad decisions, I feel like. Yeah. So, so now that you guys have grown considerably and are on track to probably do three and a half million this year, how, how are you getting the majority of your business, both in terms of residential and commercial? Uh, the commercial uh, residential were mainly it's from referrals and just the local people see us around. We don't really advertise for residential at all. It kind of just comes to us. Uh, the commercial we're in all kinds of the, uh, I don't, I want to call them, um, you know, the websites like blue book, uh, you know what I mean? There's, there's grade beam. We're getting invitations that way. Uh, the biggest and the best way that I like is our local big contractors. I'm a big relationship guy. So I'll show up at their office, try and talk to them this and that and gain a relationship. Uh, once they end up hiring me, they generally stay with us because we're handling stuff on a professional level, uh, different than other painters. I, it, I don't know. It blows my mind. Sometimes it seems like all these guys could be successful. They just need to change their practices. You know, the weird conversations, the messed up billing, the unprofessionalism, if you can just hold yourself together and do what you <laughs> say you're going to do. Well, really there's a lot of guys that can't though. You, you just hold get all yourself together. Out. Yeah. We see them get emotional and wound up and I, you know, they're yelling at the guy that's paying them. I'm like, I, I, I can't understand that. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like if they didn't do that, they would get to the next job, but they can't keep themselves together. Well, that GC does not want to work with them anymore. Sure. So for me, they call me, if there's a problem, I'm big on finding the solution, not an excuse, you know, not another reason why we can't fix it. We're not even going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how we're going to fix it and move forward. So most of the guys that we work for, they love that about me because I'm a problem solver. Sure. Not You get what I'm saying? We're not just going to set it by and let someone else figure it out. I'm going to actively be after it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're kind of, kind of cleaning it up for them that this is, they're busy. Um, so if you can make their life easier, then why wouldn't, why wouldn't they hire you? Especially if some of these other guys yeah. are acting the way, you know, the way that they are. Yeah. Sometimes price comes in, but that's how I can overcome the price points on them. They look and they're like, Oh, well, we remember these guys, they were difficult to work with brick city's not, it's worth the extra money. Let's call them because we won't have the headaches. And we're right now cleaning up jobs for other paint companies that aren't finishing their jobs. So the GCs are calling me, can you help us out? And I'm going and doing it. And in which, we're gaining more relationships. Our business is growing and growing bigger uh, due to that. So, yeah, as I said, COVID was good to us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you guys have any, and I mean, do you guys have team meetings where you kind of set goals? Like, do you have a, a five-year goal or yeah. a three-year goal? Uh, yeah, we once a year, we'll have a meeting where we set big goals, like you're talking about, but we have weekly meetings every Thursday okay. today when I'm done with this. Uh, we usually have it at one o'clock instead when I'm done here, we'll have an office meeting with just office personnel. So every Thursday we do that. Once a month, we have the entire company, all employees uh, come in for about an hour and we have a, you know, a company meeting talking about what we're at, the jobs we're at, where we're going, what's coming up you know, just kind of letting them know what's going on. 
uh, we usually have little raffles and giveaways and stuff during the meetings to keep everybody engaged. So that's, <laughs> Yeah, they like it though. So it's yeah. Know. What what do you do with the with the raffles? Is it is it are the giveaways is it just kind of random, or do you reward people for certain things? No, it's random. Uh, I mean, there is certain people like an employee of the month, or if somebody does something. We had one guy that once was coming to work, and a homeless person got hit on the road, and he pulled over and saved this guy. So when he came to the meeting, we honored him and yeah. gave him like a two hundred dollar bonus or something, and. The other guys will basically just have a raffle if there's nothing special. So it's just everybody's names in a hat and there's we'll raffle off like 10 things. Sometimes it'll be tools. Sometimes it'll be a $25, $50 gift card, something like that. It, it varies. We kind of mix it up a little bit. Yeah. <clears throat> so COVID obviously, um, you know, was unexpected and, and changed some things, but looking forward, let's say the next five, 10, 15 years, how do you see the painting industry changing or do you see it not really changing? Um, I would assume it's going to change just because I think everything does, uh, how it will change. I'm not sure. I don't know that. Co I thought at first when COVID hit that it was going to affect everything greatly. And we tried to get into the spray and sanitizers and all that, and that quickly around our area just dived off. But, uh, I, I would assume that there will be other trends coming and going as we do, but, I don't know that it's going to change dr drastically. Uh, in my mind, I think there'll be small trends that come through, you know, like wall covering goes up, things like that. You know, now like metallic epoxy flooring and the countertop stuff comes in, mm -hmm. uh, bathtub refinishing. And we try all that. Just so we've sent guys to the bathtub training and that to try and get in on those things, but they seem like they're more uh, shots in the dark in a sense, like, it's two or three years and then it kind of, you know, goes away. So I, I don't know that it's going to change a whole lot in the next five years, as far as big, big changes. Mm -hmm. uh, the past couple of years were big changes around us just because a lot of companies didn't make it through COVID and the mm -hmm. ones that didn't make it through obviously fed us more work. So uh, that was the, uh, to me, the biggest thing that happened around here, but I, I don't know that, the whole model of painting is going to change a whole lot. Do you think that the labor shortage is real? Uh, I, I would say it's not real in one sense. And I guess it's all depends on how you look at it. If you're trying to find some experienced painters just to come in and go on, that's, that's why we changed our hiring model. It doesn't seem like a very realistic model. Uh, there's plenty of people out there that want jobs. They're just not painters. So you can get over that. Then I've, I've, for basically in the past two weeks, I think I've hired five people and I have another interview tomorrow. Oh, um, none of them. Were, excuse me. That, that's a, that's a pretty, pretty strong hiring cadence you're on right now. Yeah. Well, we're trying to gear up for the season. It's already started and yeah. we need to build up the crew. So we need to start now. Um, but yeah, I don't think there's necessarily a shortage of people. It's just, I, I really believe that people are being too picky and that's why we switched to hiring the quality of person and training them. I'm not going to find a 20 year painter that's ready to leave his job and come to me. It, it's, they're just not out there. So once again, we've found hiring just non painters. Uh, and we have and one guy who just, he gets a buddy and that guy's his for two months. 
then he switches to another guy. So he yeah. just is constantly training. Uh, and we actually set up a training room in our shop. It's been every new employee goes in there on the first day and they paint wall, ceiling trim, everything's timed out. And, uh, there's a trainer with them showing them the way we do things. So it's, that's been our combat to the so-called labor shortage. Like I said, I don't think it's a shortage. I think it's just a mindset that there's no painters out there wanting to be hired, but there's other people that want jobs. So your, your town is 12,000 people. Is that what you said? Yep. Yeah. What's your addressable, um, market, like your total addressable market it, it, with, with, depending on your radius for residential. Uh, as in population wise, you mean in uh, our population? Yep. I mean, once you get to Columbia, Missouri, where we go over there, there's like 120,000, but I would guess within our whole area, there's probably only half a million, three quarter million people with that in okay. our hundred mile radius from us. Uh, and you guys are, are doing, so let's say half a million and you guys are doing, you know, going to, going to be doing three, five probably. Um, and how many painters do you have? I think with these new people that are hired, we're up to now be 21. If so, and there's four office personnel, but our biggest reason for getting all that work done so fast is switching tools. We've, went to jet rollers and power rollers and all kinds of other techniques that most guys aren't, they just aren't doing. Um, yeah. Well, I just, I think it's interesting because that's a lot of people and, you know, there's this the, the debate of whether or not there are people to hire, you know, and so many, I think so many painting company owners use it as a crutch. I go, oh, I just can't hire them. Just can't pay them enough. Just can't keep them. Um, but it seems like you and in, in your evolution um, of, of leadership, and kind of taking these courses and emotional intelligence and treating people with decency and respect and hiring for character. It seems like in a lot of ways you've, you fixed it. Uh, in here, we feel like we're doing fine with it. We're not stressing on it anymore. It was a stress point. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but yeah, I, I feel like in here, our employee retention has been great. And usually within, I'd say 30 days, that new employee is profitable. You know, we're probably just breaking even on him, but with all the efficiencies that the other guys have, it's not a crutch. Uh, that's the part I think other owners have the problem with the, the month or two of training where they're not making money off of the guy. They can't get over that. And it's, mm -hmm. if you don't get over that, you're never going to get new people. You're, you're going to have to let jobs go. So yeah. it's a matter of how you look at losing money, you're paying somebody to train them. To me, that's not losing money. You're making them better. And every day after that, they're always going to be better for you. It, training is a great investment, but not a lot of people look at it that way. They don't want to yeah. put the money in. They just want a guy to come in and start making the money. And it just doesn't work that way. Yeah. Um, or at least in my mind, it doesn't. Yeah. No, except in the fact that there will be an on-ramp period, you know, an onboard period, and you're going to, pay for that and, and uh, acknowledging the fact that they are not going to come on and care as much as you do. And they never, they never will. They are not you. And the only way that, that will any of us, any of us business owners will be able to solve this, I think, is if we can clone ourselves or something, but that just starts to get really weird and scary in my mind. So just shut that <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess you can do like my partner did. Hey, you want to buy into half of them? That's why. You do that. Once you become part of it, 
then, you know, you're, you know what I mean? You don't want to shoot holes yeah. in your own. Room, so sure. But, but can't bring all the employees on as owners though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's where I guess I, I don't think too many painting companies have it, but some sort of ESOP, you know, employee stock ownership plan or something, but uh, those tend to be for, for fairly sizable companies typically do something like that. But the idea is ownership interest. Um, yeah. Yeah. In the business. Uh, what are, what we, yeah. Sorry. I was no, saying no. if we treat them with respect and pay them well, then we're, you know, I think treating them with respect and appreciating them goes a long way yeah. as far as keeping them there. So, yeah, you can't, you can't treat people like dirt and then just throw more money at them and expect them to want to stay and perform for you. No, no. Money's not always the answer. Yeah. Yeah. For, for better or for worse, I think for better, but, um, what other advice? I mean, you, you're, uh, you've obviously learned a lot, you know, I didn't meet you 11 years ago, but I'm meeting you now. And it, it seems like you have your, your leadership uh, mentality pretty well dialed in here. What other advice do you have to, to painting company owners listening to this, who, who would like to reach that two, three, you know, $4 million mark who, who want to get there and aren't. Uh, I would say don't rush it first of all, but the biggest thing is that to me, that person has to make changes within themselves that's what I had to do to grow. I mean, you can't expect people to follow you if you're not even sure where you're going. Uh, so there was, you know, I, I had to make changes within myself. So when we hired the Lynn five to come in as a business consultant, we, we brought him into the office first and he made us be better in here before I went down there to the shop and got with the guys. In other words, I feel like I had to improve myself as. But you're a not the you're not the problem. It's those guys, it's those lazy bumps. Well, that's <laughs> I agree. We can look at it that way, but I know that a lot of times I was the problem. I, yeah, I, I can look can't. back now. And, yeah, I know I can look back now and see things that I've done in the past. Though that's like, why would you do that? That's crazy. Yeah. At the time, I didn't see it though. It seemed just plain as day, and I can't give you an example, but you know, yeah. know what I mean. Because now it's simple to see the mistakes I made. But uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of growth for us. I, I, I suggest not trying to go too fast because you can get hung up, like I was saying, where the money flow isn't there. Sure. That's that's a huge thing too. Uh, the cash flow isn't there. You need to get a relationship with a banker sooner than later. Uh, sure. And a lot of people have a problem with that. They Some people have a problem with owning bank money. I got over that a long time ago. That's just part of being in business. You're going to be in the bank's pocket in my mind. Uh, yeah. So yeah. would you recommend um, people consider hiring a coach, someone who can expose their, their weak spots to them? I would. Uh, and I would say be prepared though, cause it's a humbling moment. You know, we all think that we're the best and this and that. And then when someone else comes in, who's a specialist, they quickly are like, Oh yeah. And they're pointing out stuff and you're like, Oh my gosh, I didn't realize <laughs> that this was this bad. And it's, it's kind of overwhelming. Uh, when he left our office, we had over a year's worth of work to do oh, before wow. we could even bring him back just in the office, you know, estimating stuff like that, just systems that they were working, but they were semi broke, you know, they weren't, you know what I mean? Now we fine tuned a lot of our stuff. Sure. So our offices, it's, it's a lot easier. Let's put it that way. You, you getting into doing certified payroll and all that stuff. It can get complicated with these big jobs. Yeah. So be willing to, to set your pride aside and, and take that feedback and, and implement it no matter how, 
painful it may be. Yeah. 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 If you can't, and I, I don't know if you can't uh, show the improvements you need, you can't expect other people to do it. I mean, if you're not willing to better yourself and take training and admit your faults, how can you expect your employees to? It, it, yeah. It doesn't seem realistic. And what a great way I to get buy-in too from your employees, right? You, you're showing you're, you're doing it first. You're acknowledging you, you have things that need to improve and you're working hard to improve them. That's a great way to get buy-in, I would assume. Yeah. Well, they all noticed it. The people that have been with me for a while, they even joke about it. They're like, yeah, you're not. This. There's been a joke like to new guys to get hired here. They're like you guys are lucky. You get the new Chad. You don't know the old guy, you know, because <laughs> no it was a different person. Yeah, it was a massive improvement. Ten years ago, I was working in the field with people. So I was the guy snatching the brush out of your hand. And it yeah. just doesn't make any sense. But at the time, it made sense to me. So <laughs> there's been some huge growth in that. Yeah. Well, Chad, congratulations, man, on, on not only your business success, but your personal growth. It's, it's a, a beautiful story. And I appreciate you sharing it with us. Sure. Yeah. No, once again, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. Do you have anything else you want to say before we wrap this up? Uh, Not in particular. I I would say for the people trying to go forward and grow their business that yes, the PCA is definitely a place that can help you become a better businessman. We're all already great painters, but the business side is the tricky side. And if not hire a, a consultant, there's a bunch of them out there. Uh, you don't just got to go to the PCA. There's other places, but they have a lot of resources right there ready for you meant for painters. So I, I would recommend. Chad, thank you. Thank you so much for your time, man. This was, this was great. And congratulations again. Yeah. Thank you. Like I say, I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. If you want to learn more about the topics we discussed in this podcast and how you can use them to grow your painting business, Visit paintermarketingpros.com forward slash podcast for free training, as well as the ability to schedule a personalized strategy session for your painting company. Again, that URL is paintermarketingpros.com forward slash podcast. Hey there, painting company owners. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Give us your feedback. Let us know how we did. And also, if you're interested in taking your painting business to the next level, make sure you visit the Painter Marketing Pros website at paintermarketingpros.com to learn more about our services. You can also reach out to me directly by emailing me at brandon at paintermarketingpros.com and I can give you personalized advice on growing your painting business. Until next time, keep growing. Paint Ed podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and is made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPaintEd.org.